Alrighty, everybody. Good afternoon. Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. Hope everybody is uh, starting to prepare for their 2023 season. And uh, Wiz, you and I, uh, I think, have a very topical podcast for today as we try to sift through some of the more nebulous circumstances as we head into the NFL season of 23. Hope you're well. What's happening? Yeah, thanks. Hope you are as well. Um, yeah, I mean, we talked about this. I thought this was going to be a very interesting podcast, and uh, we decided to take a, a look at uh, some of the most more, you know, the, the, you could go with these teams and see terrific position battles, interesting position battles, but we figured we'd break down a handful of the position battles that we're both keeping an eye on. Um, we haven't discussed this, what uh, what uh, what we decided on, what we picked, so we're going to both kind of like wing it, see uh, what we end up talking about, but I think it'll make for an interesting discussion, and the, the type of discussion that could be revisited as uh, as we get closer to the summer, um, and we see how things play out. Yeah, I got to tell you, Wiz, the, the one thing, because I kind of looked at depth charts and kind of sifted through each and every team and trying to kind of deduce what, what was going to happen. I think the one thing that became very clear to me, and I don't know if you had the same view as I did, but it really shows, I, I, at least in my opinion, that the, just the amount of work that's going to be spread out in terms of fantasy, i.e. the amount of, I'm talking about workload specifically, like it looks very clear to me that you've got so much firepower on a lot of these teams and it, and, and there will be weeks where, you know, really good players will kind of disappear. They're, they're, depending on the opponent, you, you'll see game planning that will strategize and, and use uh, different weapons, but to, to me, I, I saw a lot of depth when I was looking at the depth charts. That's kind of the, I, I think that's the clearest thing that came to my uh, attention while I was doing this exercise. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that, and uh, I think, I think honestly, that's where these organizations want to be, right? I think the days of the bell cow running backs, uh, getting 25, 28 carries, and maybe his backup getting three or four are over with. Teams want to keep their running backs fresh. They're, a lot of these teams at wide receiver, you're going to see more, a guy be very quiet for a few weeks and then um, have some big weeks. I think that's going to be prevalent uh, as well. So I think that's the direction teams want to go in. You see this over and over with like the Chargers, Telling Austin Eckler, you know, go, you know, go, 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 see if you can make a deal, go do your thing, and um, and I, I think that's where we're at here. You know, running backs get to a certain age, and uh, teams are not going to give out that second contract easily, especially if they feel they're overpaying. So I think this is where we're headed, and uh, this is kind of what we're going to talk about. Yeah, and, and I'll say the same thing. You know, and you alluded to it at the at wide receiver, right? Like you know, take t- again, not. I'm not trying to uh, create any kind of controversy here, but like, let's look at the Jacksonville Jaguars, for example, who, who add Calvin Ridley to a group that includes Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, and Evan Ingram, who all had over 75 catchers next year, right? So someone, someone's workload is going to be lowered as a result of that. Um, 
Uh, which one? I don't know. I, it, it's difficult to say. Uh, but but the bottom line is uh, there's a lot of depth out there. Uh, I think we're going to see it at tight end where uh, I think a number of teams will be running 12 personnel with with uh, with kind of the setups that they have uh, within their roster. So, yeah, I, I thought this was a fun exercise. And uh, uh, given that you came up with it, so I, I'm going to point to you to uh, start us off. Yeah, all right, so... Fair enough. I'm going to start this off with uh, with what I feel is a very interesting situation. The uh, Dolphins running back situation with their running back room where they have two running backs and most of them, Jeff Wilson, who are very familiar with what um, Mike McDaniel wants to do with the Dolphins from last year with the Dolphins and from their time together in San Francisco. And when most of them and, and Jeff Wilson – are on the field together, they are terrific players. And they draft a different type of running back in Devon A. Chain. And I just think this one is going to be interesting to pass through because with most of them, Wilson, who have had problems staying on the field, when they are on the field, they are terrific players. Different type of running backs, but both productive. And now you bring in a rookie running back who the Dolphins drafted with intent. I'm really keeping my eye on this situation because it's three interesting players in a very, very high-scoring power offense that I'm looking at. So I'm really keeping my eye on the Dolphins running back room as we head into this season. Yeah, that was one. You know, I came up with a list of, you know, probably about 10 different situations. That was kind of one of them that was a little bit further down. So I'm not going to – I wasn't – like kind of my high ones, but I don't disagree with anything that you're saying. Um, while Mostert and Wilson are, are different, they're both equally productive in the offense. And then, like you said, you add a new dimension to the offense. So I, I think that's a good start um, in terms of picking a situation, especially in an offense that we expect to be higher, uh, a high-powered offense, uh, specifically if, if Tua can stay on the field. Uh, obviously, Mike White now the backup there. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I like that call. Um, running back, I'm, I'm going to go to running back too, Wiz, and I'm, I'm looking at really two diverse running backs on a team where uh, the quarterback is equally explosive on the ground. Um, these two running backs are very different in how they get things done, but really you and I talked about this a lot last year. We thought Khalil Herbert was the better running back on the Chicago Bears uh, ahead of David Montgomery. David Montgomery has since been signed by the Detroit Lions. Uh, And in free agency, the Chicago Bears turn around and they signed Donta Foreman, who we know backed up Derrick Henry two years ago. And when Henry was out with injuries, uh, provided um, outstanding efforts at the running back uh, position, specifically running the football, not necessarily catching it. Because uh, that's not what they use use him for, and then once again last year after Christian McCaffrey uh, makes his way uh, across the country to San Francisco, um, Devonta Foreman again a, a lot of big games um, for, for the Carolina Panthers, and now finds himself on the Chicago Bears. So how this workload gets split up between the two players, I think remains to be seen. Uh, I, I I would envision goal line Foreman. And more catches out of the backfield from Khalil Herbert. Um, I thought last year, like I said, that that Khalil Herbert was the better running back on this roster. Uh, I would give the lean to him, but it sounds like the Chicago Bears, with the combination of a running quarterback and having both of these guys 
uh, in the fold, uh, that uh, they are likely to split this workload, at least to start the season. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be interesting one. It looks like a different type of running backs. Uh, and uh, I think it's another situation uh, with uh, with the quarterback who could be the leading rusher on their team. I'm not sure Chicago wants that. It makes for an interesting situation. It's uh, um, de- definitely you have to feel Chicago could be improving this year. So you want to keep on your, your eye on that uh, for sure. Especially what happens when they get into the red, red zone where um, that's where kind of Foreman excels. And we'll see if he eats into um, Khalil Herbert's production next year. I'm going to move to Kansas city where I'm looking at this wide receiver room and I see a lot of talent and a lot of young talent. And of course, everything works off of Travis Kelsey. We understand that. But I think you have some receivers here who could really become prominent this season in fantasy football. Kadarius Toney, having just half a season last year with the Chiefs, can be a terrific, terrific fantasy player this year. Sky Moore is silky smooth. Um, His second year, you have to think there's a lot of room for improvement. Rasheed Rice, this is an interesting story with Patrick Mahomes, had a workout, and he was and he was going to throw the ball, and a bunch of these college receivers came, and Rasheed Rice was one of them, and there was intent. There was a trade-up with the Lions. They moved up eight picks um, to go from, I believe, 63rd pick to the 55th pick to take Rasheed Rice, and they gave like a fourth-round pick as well in this trade. I am very interested in that. Richie James is in there as well, who – if there's injuries and moves up the depth chart, can get a lot of volume. That's the type of receiver he is. Justin Watson is a talented, talented guy. Scantling looked like a different player last year. And Justin Ross from Clemson is one of the top prospects a few years ago. Hasn't been able to stay on the field, but um, they're high on that player. Those are seven running backs and seven receivers in that wide receiver room. And I think one or more of those receivers could become very prominent. And uh, I'm really keeping my eye on that situation, especially the top few guys where uh, I think they could be a real chump from some of these players who played with Kansas City a little bit last year and now another year under their belt with Patrick Mahomes. So was number two on my list, and uh, I share a lot of what you're discussing. I'll, I'll add a little bit to it. So first off, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster last year, uh, he's, he, he signs with the New England Patriots in the offseason. Uh, you have to replace some of that workload that he received. And what did that mean? Well, that was over 60 catches. That was over 900 yards. That was four or five touchdowns. You and I both know, especially I as a Giant fan, Kadarius Toney was a polarizing and frustrating figure for the New York Giants. They traded him last year. Uh, he in, in, in a little bit of time with the Kansas City Chiefs, including in the postseason, uh, when he was able to be on the field, Kadarius Toney made his mark. Uh, obviously set a record in the Super Bowl for a punt return in terms of the amount of yards. Uh, only 14 catches uh, as a Kansas City Chief during the regular season, but... As you say, was like you know there there was a group of young talented guys. They they made a move, and someone is going to have to produce outside of Travis Kelsey amongst these receivers. Uh, I agree with what you said about Rice. Uh, Valdez Scantling last year had I think about six hundred yards, a little over six hundred yards receiving. 
uh, and had a couple of big games. This could be one of those situations, Wiz, where, you know, look, we're talking about Patrick Mahomes, right? This is a top three quarterback in the NFL. This is in both real life and in fantasy football. And uh, with that, I, I believe someone has to be productive. Um, whether it's on a consistent basis remains to be seen. But as you say, it was very crowded room, uh, but a lot of intriguing prospects here from a fantasy perspective. Absolutely. Okay, so take us out to your next spot. So this is a weird one, Wiz. Uh, you're going to kind of think it's a strange one, but you know, I know we're going to be dealing with a rookie quarterback here, uh, but their best receiver is now in Dallas Cowboys. I'm talking about the Houston Texans. Brandon Cooks is gone. Uh, the Houston Texans have a rookie quarterback uh, in C.J. Stroud, who is likely going to be the starter uh, from day one. Uh, at least that's my thinking at the moment. They go and sign Noah Brown. Uh, they have a guy recovering from an illness in John Mechie, and they had a prospect in his third year. And a lot of times receivers do make that step up in his third year. There was some flashes last year again from Nico Collins I'm talking about. So who will emerge as the number one wide receiver from a team that's still likely to be playing from behind, number one, with a rookie quarterback? But, you know, again, there were games last year where Brandon Cooks early in the season, and then once he got hurt and Nico Collins kind of took over a little bit in the middle of the season. And then at the end of the season, it was a lot, of, a lot of mishmash. But with a team that's going to be playing from behind, most likely, even though I, I do believe this will be an improved Houston Texan football team, someone needs to emerge as a number one target. Yes, they signed Dalton Schultz as well at tight end. That's going to be part of it. But I think some one of those guys, I can't decide which, uh, one of those guys is going to end up being a, a very productive fantasy football wide receiver this year, Wiz. Fair enough. I think that's a, you know one of many, many interesting situations. Um, yeah, and it's a team that could have good game scripts for that as well, right? Um, so I think it's certainly one of the teams to keep your eye on. I'm going to go to a, a showdown. This is a real showdown. This is an even fight here between Kenneth Walker and Zach Chalbonet, where you have two young players, a second-year player and a rookie, kind of drafted around the same, you know, you want a second-round pick, a third-round pick. You have the head coach who does not want any running back to have a, a, a big majority of carries. He wants to keep a good rotation with going uh, with those guys. Kenneth Walker looked Terrific, and kind of surprised that they took Charbonnet with one of their early picks, but they did. So that's a draft pick with intent. Two young, good players, uh, talented players, with a head coach who wants to use both running backs. So if either one of them would get the lion's share of the carries, you would really have something there. So I'm looking at a real Seattle showdown, if you will. Kenneth Walker versus Jack, Zach Charbonnet um, for a head coach that wants to run the ball, wants to use two running backs. And you have to figure, you know, with Jackson Smith and Nygma, their offense could be better. So I'm really keeping my eye on that matchup between Kenneth Walker and Zach Charbonnet. Yeah, I, I think there were some similarities for me, Wiz, between what's happening in Seattle and what potentially could happen. And again, with philosophically what a coach wants to do uh, with the Eagles as well, um, who have a very talented offensive line So and, and traded for DeAndre Swift, signed Rashad Penny. I, I, I think both of the situations, even though, as you mentioned, the Seattle situation, you're looking at a, a first year and a second year running back as opposed to 
a couple of more seasoned guys in Philadelphia. But I think the simil- that there is some similarities in the situations that, again, you're t- talking about two talented offenses for certain um, and teams that were very productive last year from a fantasy perspective as well. But I, I find those two situations very, very similar. Um, and I don't disagree with, with anything you had to say. All righty. Take us out to your next one. I, I just have one more, so go, go to your next one. Uh, Eric Bieniemy is now the offensive coordinator. He's getting an opportunity in Washington. Ron Rivera is not really an offensive guy. And look, Bieniemy was looking for this for a long time. And he's got a lot to prove. And he left Andy Reid. And here he comes into a situation where <laughs> Jacoby Brissett is the veteran and second-year guy is Sam Howell. He had one start last year. He beat the Cowboys in that start, was able to run the ball a little bit in that. And you're looking at a team with, I believe, has dynamic offensive weapons at the receiver position when you look at um, when you look at that group with Terry McLaurin. Uh, actually, McLaurin, they have Diami Brown, they have Jahan Dotson, uh, and Curtis Samuel, and we know how much the player is enjoyed by Ron Rivera, both in Carolina and Washington. But I think uh, Eric Bieniemy getting his hands on a player like that could be quite interesting as well. So that battle between Howell and Brissett uh, and who emerges as the starter there, um, it could be very relevant when you talk about one Bieniemy moving there and the fact that there are, is talent in this offense. I'm not even talking about the, the running backs that are there too in in, uh, in Robinson and, and Antonio Gibson, who is – Sounds like he's going to get the ball a little bit more uh, in the receiving game. So very intrigued who wins that Washington quarterback battle was. Fair enough. Yeah, I'm glad you did a quarterback one. I did not. So I'm glad you did that <clears throat> to cover that position. And um, who who do you I think? Who, who who do you think? I'm just just curious. When you look at that situation, do you think it's clear at this point, or we have to kind of wait and see? In my mind, I think they're going to go with Howell. I just feel like both guys fit into that role perfectly. Brissett is used to that position. They want to keep the confidence and the momentum going for Howell. So, I, 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 in my mind, I have it clear as Howell starting over Brissett. Okay, great. And uh, my last is going to be Eagles running back room. <clears throat> we have five guys. You have Boston, Boston Scott and Kenneth Gainwell, who have been with the team for a few years now. You have Trey Sermon, a high-drafted player who's looking to finally get a chance. And then you have, maybe I'm guessing at the top of the depth chart, Rashad Penny and DeAndre Swift. And the reason I find those two players so interesting is because they remind me of each other. Two talented players who are explosive, and you see how explosive all when they play, but both players have been unable to stay on the field and and keep it going. So you look at that Eagles offensive line and that running game they have, that's pure gold. But this is an interesting situation where kind of Gainwell and Scott have their niche, what they want to do. Sermon, I'm keeping my eye on if he makes the final roster. And Penny and Swift, explosive guys, talented players. If they could stay on the field, they can move up well where they're ranked at this point, considering their ability plus their offensive line in Philadelphia. So I'm looking at the Eagles running back room. 
Okay. Yeah, uh, that's a good, that's definitely a good one, without a doubt. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I mentioned it alongside the Seattle one. I thought there were sim- similar situations. Uh, I, I don't disagree with anything you said there. Um, the comments coming out of Buffalo right now, Wiz, and and given what they've did in the draft, so I'm going to kind of fold in. A, 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 it's two situations for Buffalo that I'm watching. I'm watching running back with. James Cook and the recently signed Damian Harris. Uh, you got the head coach and the quarterback talking about the potential for Josh Allen running less. And then you add to it what they did and didn't do uh, at wide receiver because they didn't bring in DeAndre Hopkins. That was kind of rumored. So they're kind of going back with the same group at receiver. Um, Shakur is going to probably get a little bit more action in, in the slot. Uh, Dalton Kincaid sounds like he's going to be on the field Quite a bit, and I think you could see the Buffalo Bills running a lot of 12 personnel. So what happens with both Chicago's running back situation, and it could be very different on a game-to-game basis, right? Like, I could see Damian Harris taking over games later in the season. Uh, He's more of a closer. He's more of a punisher. He's more of a defined goal line back. Cook is a different type of running back, a little bit more savvy, a little bit more finesse, a a little bit more that type of player. And then a situation where Kincaid played a lot in the slot in college. Um, Dawson Knox has been very productive in the red zone. He's a favorite target of, of Josh Allen. But I, I just can't see workloads kind of being split evenly. I think at, at some point in time, you're going to see in one of those two positions at the Buffalo Bills, one of those guys emerge as the main focal point for that offense. Yeah, I mean... <clears throat> you really want to keep your eye on what's going on with Buffalo for sure, because they're just a high scoring offense and they're going to be in the red zone often. So I definitely see that uh, as a good one as well. Um, and it's a, it's, it's a team to kind of look at everywhere, right? Is Josh Allen going to be doing less running? What's going to happen with the running backs and who's going to kind of emerge with those pass catches, Dalton Kincaid there now, interesting situation all around with Buffalo, uh, I didn't have that on my list, but I like that one. Yeah, and then the, the, the one last one I'm going to go is, this is a little bit of a curveball. Um, I don't know what's going to happen legally to Joe Mixon, uh, if anything. Um, there was a lot of talk about Joe Mixon maybe not coming back this year. This is before kind of like some legal stuff popped up. Uh, Samaje Perine, uh, Pirine is, uh, of course, now a Denver Bronco, and you know he's going to be an early season favorite uh, in, in Denver from a fantasy perspective. But I think you have to pay attention um, to what's going on behind Joe Mixon. Uh, Travian Williams is there. Chris Evans is there. They they actually drafted a running back in the seventh round. Uh, so. Uh, you know, again, whether and Joe Mixon last year was very disappointing as well. But there, there are some legal things that we need to kind of maybe sift through. So, I, I just, just, just something that I think uh, fantasy football fans need to keep an eye on. Yep. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, you think about Mixon, you think about Kamara. Certainly, situations as the summer goes on, keep him. You know, keep your eye on as it's going to, you know, really affect um, those offenses and. The depth chart as well. Yeah, and again, you know, we could have gone on. Uh, yeah, th- this is what we chose. We, we there's probably a dozen more that we could have picked. Um, you know, I even look at my Giants from a wide receiver standpoint. Someone's going to have to emerge. There's like eight or nine guys there now. They keep they just keep bringing in guys. But 
you know, I chose to stay away from that one for yeah. for this particular one. I, I, you know, we could look at every single team and, and make uh, and make that deduction. So, um, yeah, there'll be a lot to look through, and you know, in 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 the once we get around to uh, preseason workouts, which uh, I believe start next week, right? I, I think you'll see some veterans in camp in the next week or two. Uh, you know, you'll you'll get to see a little bit more action, and there'll be a little bit more hot stove talk, if you will, in the NFL was. Absolutely. Well, then we'll definitely, you know, come back to this and maybe we'll piggyback off some of the situations we talked about or and or talk about other situations. But certainly an interesting topic and uh, these position battles are something to keep an eye on and uh, it's going to be fantasy football relevant as we get closer. All right. Fantastic. Uh, a good weekend to all. Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. Enjoy, Wiz. Well done, and uh, we will talk next week. You got it. You take care.